Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. I was recently asked uh, about the mentor outside of my family who most influenced my work. So many people came up to mind, starting with a a youth minister, Mike Selleck, who taught me that playfulness and faith were not mutually exclusive, but actually made each other a lot better. I thought about Coach Chambers, who released me, if you will, from some self-imposed chains. I think about Vince and Skip and Jancy and Paul and Chuck. I've had a lot of great mentors and have been so much better for it, but I'm, I'm luckier than most. Most young men and young women are lucky to have one or two mentors who ask the important questions and who serve as sounding boards in their lives. As a camp professional and a parent of campers, I've seen firsthand the power of great camp counselors. They're playful and thoughtful and energetic and so much more. They truly can change the direction in a person's life. But there is a difference between being a camp counselor and a mentor. Some of the difference is about context. Some of it is about depth. To explore the difference in the power of mentors, I reached out to Ladarius Calvin, one of the best camp counselors and division heads we've enjoyed at camp. After not enough summers with us at Waquaic, Ladarius moved on to work with Boys to Men, a mentoring organization in Indianapolis, Indiana, founded by Dr. Lars Roscoe. Ladarius and I talk a lot around the campfire about a bunch of different things. Talk about the fear of new situations, uh, leading by listening, the incredible power of relationships, and how mentoring can truly change lives. I hope you'll enjoy this informative, uplifting, and empowering conversation with my friend, Ladarius Calvin. Ladarius Calvin, I'm so happy to have you around the campfire. I'm so happy to be here. So we spent many summers uh, sharing the same campfire at Camp Waquaic, uh, right there on the shores of, of Sly Lake. You started as a counselor and then actually became a division head, which puts you in, unfortunately, direct contact daily with my, my wife, Dr. Kelly. Uh, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Um, how, was, how was camp different for you than what you initially expected it would be? Well... First of all, I had never experienced camp before. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just a total different experience that I've ever have experienced before. And it was just, first of all, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the focus on fun and the focus on building an atmosphere, atmosphere for fun mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, so when I got there, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of scared. Sure. Um, because I had never been outdoors in that type of capacity before. Mm-hmm. Like I've gone outdoors, but it's not been outdoors. You have the woods, just, you know, 
a few feet away, you have a <laughs> lake, you know, that's just down the hill. And it was just kind of like, what did, what in the world did I get myself into? <laughs> so um, now why, why, why did you even decide to do it? Well, I had just graduated from college mm-hmm. and I felt like I was on this high of like, you know what? I want to challenge myself because that se- my senior year of, of college, I went to Dallas, Texas mm-hmm. for an internship. Mm-hmm. And first of all, getting there was a feat. And so I got there and then making that experience um, something that I could use on a resume and something that I can use for my professional career was also a feat. Mm-hmm. And so I did both of those things within a month's time. And it was an incredible experience. So I'm like, okay, awesome. So now here I am graduated from college. And now I have this opportunity to go to Pennsylvania <laughs> where my favorite team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And so I'm like, why not do it again? And so I put in the resume and Alex reached out to me and he's like, Hey, we would love to have you for camp. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I can't be a lifeguard because I'm not that great of a swimmer, but I can do workout stuff. And he's like, great. We have a gym. So yep. I'm like, oh, awesome. So I get there and there's all these people who speak different languages. They talk different. They're from <laughs> England. They're from Ireland. They're from Australia. They're from New Zealand. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what, you know, what is this? Um, but no, it was great. It, it really was. And just the, like I said before, the focus on the fun, the focus on making sure that the kids were safe, uh, but doing that in a fun way was just incredible. So, yeah. so I, I have to, I want to dig just a little bit because you said that you were honest and I appreciate that, that you were actually scared when you showed up. I mean, you are, you're a, you're a physical specimen and, and <laughs> B, you know, you have, you've come from, you know, places that are, are awesome and varied and you've had all these different things. And yet you, you feel trepidation, you feel anxiety, you feel a little fear when you come into this place in the middle of the woods, right. you know, which granted is like, where the heck am I going right now? Um, especially when you come from urban environments, like I'm not used to this. Exactly. So what was, why were you scared? I was out of my comfort zone. Um, okay. I'm used to being in a gym again, you know, I played football all four years. So mm-hmm. a gym is my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Being on a football field is my comfort zone. You know, being in front of coaches is my comfort zone. Being in a city where there's buildings around, not woods <laughs> is my comfort zone. So I'm just in a, in, you know, in an unfamiliar territory. And now you have all these people who do archery. You have all these individuals who, who, you know, have been lifeguards for years. And I'm just coming in a place where I'm like, what in the world can I offer? And so I'm just, you know, what, what can I do for this place to make it better? Um, and, and really, you know, I, when I saw you initially, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I saw this person that was in control and it seemed like you could do all these other things because you were in charge of the lifeguards, you were in charge of this, you are in charge of that. And I'm just like, what can I do to try to impress him? What can I do to bring anything or bring any of my talents to Camp Aquay? And so for me, it was just, I don't know what I can offer this place. And I just didn't want to be, you know, someone that worked there that you just saw when you were, you were like, you know, I don't, you know, you're just there. You know, I don't, yes. I don't want to just be a body, <laughs> you know, in an incredible place like this. Well, and you, you certainly weren't just a body. I mean, you, you did become a division head very, very quickly. Uh, my, my wife, Kate, noticed very quickly that Ladarius, you, you had a great connection with the kids and with the other staff. 
Um, and so that elevated you to a, a management role, if you will, where you were no longer just working just with the kids, but you're also working with the staff. What was that transition like for you? I think, so that tra- transition was first, first I was, um, when we did the tribal war, yep. I was a, a tribal leaders. head leader yep. with um, an individual who was in med school. Yes. Um, so just <laughs> for me, it was really... I had to learn to not try to take over. Um, I had to learn to listen first Mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of find out between, you know, what they were saying and what needed to be done Mm -hmm. um, and find out what was the best option in the mix of that. So for me, it was first listening and then knowing when to lead. Like there were moments where Mm -hmm. you had to listen to get information. And then there were moments where you had to actually lead. I remember when we, this is before I was a a division head, but you had told the male counselors that Mm -hmm. they had to move the picnic benches to a certain spot in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so you were like, okay, I need this done in the next 30 minutes. And then you walked off and were like, what the heck? <laughs> we didn't have all the information. So now here we are trying to figure out stuff. You had one guy that was telling people to move this way. You had another guy that was telling people to move this way. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, how about we combine both of those ideas, but stack them in a certain way. And so I didn't yell. I didn't have to raise my voice. Mm-hmm. It was just an idea. I spoke it. The other person believed it was a, a good idea. And then 30 minutes later, you come back and you're like, so how are we doing? And I'm like, um, well, we just did this and that. And then you were like, okay. And then you just walked away. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, okay, well, that was easy. (laughs) Um, So eventually that, you know, that process of listening and then finding the perfect time to actually, I guess, kind of take control or Mm -hmm. take the lead, Mm -hmm. um, became natural for me. And it was just, um, it was incredible because now I was beginning to see how I could use that for when I was in the bunks with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, I I love that idea of timing, but we talk a lot about the idea of servant leadership. And if you really want to be a servant, you have to listen first. You have to know how you can serve that person individually, you know, and that's, that's something that we've talked a lot about. Um, And it seems like camp has, you already had a servant's heart Um, and camp seemed like it, it kind of molded that a little bit because now you've actually moved away from camp, you know, and unfortunately for us, um, but much more fortunately for a lot of young men, um, in Indianapolis, you, you're now working with uh, a mentoring program called Boys to Men, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. How did you get involved with that? Well, um, after my first year with you guys, mm-hmm. um, it was an, you know, a, a great experience there. I felt that I could not work, I could not have a career or a life without working with the youth. Um, so again, all that energy and all that um, kind of that exposure to camp and all that, I kind of wanted to give that to the community of youth that I know did not receive that or would not receive that. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted this person, uh, Lauren Rasco. Um, I thought that she was Dr. Rasco, but mm-hmm. she was not. 
That's his starter. Um, so I contacted her. She got me in contact with Dr. Rasco. And Dr. Rasco told me that he needed help on uh, the east side location of Indianapolis, Indiana, which is where we are based. Um, and so I um, decided that I would spend at least a week or so with this, you know, voice mm-hmm. program and just give them a few hours of my time. And um, th- things change for the better. <laughs> I got there and I felt that I wasn't really connecting with the students. Although the students looked like me, for some reason, I felt out of place or I felt that, you know, there was nothing that I could offer again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I had to not only just be there and try to be a role model, but I had to listen to what they were actually going through. Cause a lot of things that I was saying was, um, you know, go to college, you know, you need college, you need this. Right. But if you don't understand where this individual is coming from, how can you tell them where to go? Absolutely. Hey, Ladarius, can I press pause for just a little bit? I got to make a quick phone call. I got a partner that's calling me over and over and over again. So something's up. Um, can I take three minutes to pause yeah. real quick? All right. So yeah. I'm going to press pause and we'll. So, Ladarius, you were just saying how you had to change how you listen to the kids. Right. And you had to kind of meet them more where they were. You, you kind of come from one place. Where, where are these guys coming from? So a lot of the youth that we're dealing with, um, some of them have what we call DCS cases. So Department of Child Services. Okay. Um, and they're in that because their parents have messed up somewhere. So the parents may be on drugs or the parents have done something incredibly terrible. Mm-hmm. or they have uh, put the child's life in danger somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, or we work with kids who are on probation. So they have done something to mess up. So maybe they have stolen someone's car. Maybe, um, you know, they were in school and they punched somebody and one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe they said something to the school. Uh, maybe they said they were going to burn the school down or something like that. Right. Um, so these are where these kids are coming from. Mm-hmm. And then we have kids that are in the middle of that. Got it. Um, so we have kids who have great, great, have great grades. Um, kids who uh, want to go to college, kids who are um, in advanced classes. Um, so we have all of that in these sessions. Wow. So we have to provide them um, with knowledge and information that can help them not just at school, not just at home, but in all of those um, spaces in their lives. So we even talk about spirituality. Um, So one of the things that I had to think back on um, with regards to my experiences at Camp Aquaic is that there was a a field trip that we took at Camp Aquaic Mm-hmm. where we took the genters mm-hmm. to the bowling alley. Right. Um, so on the ride there, um, I think it was you or somebody else that were driving. Um, I was sitting down. I didn't see the boys, but I could hear them. Um, and so for some reason, I'm listening to their conversations. And these nine to 10 year olds are talking about politics. Hmm. They're talking about politics in a way that adults would. And I'm just thinking like, how in the world are they having this conversation right now? I'm not talking. 
they're the, they're the ones doing the talking. Sure. And so I begin to think if this was in my neighborhood, would those same nine and 10 year olds be able to have that type of conversation? And I'm thinking they would not. Mm. So how is it that I can bring that type of conversation into my neighborhood so that these kids can have that? Because what's happening is that the, the youth in my community, they're not being talked to. Mm-hmm. They're not being talked to as individuals. And so when they come in contact with an adult, it's like they're the kid and you have this adult. So they're already intimidated. Right. So then the adult, right. There's a barrier. So then when the adult tries to have a conversation with the kid, they can't because they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I begin to think, OK, my approach should not be telling the kids or just telling them, giving them instructions on where to go and how to live their life. It is educating them on what life has to offer, ah. um, educating them on how to navigate the educational system, educating them on how to navigate a conversation with a girl, educating them on how to navigate a conversation with your parents. What are some of the things that, you know, your parents um, do for you? Why is it that sometimes when your mom comes home and she's upset, why is it that, you know, what, what can you do to help her? Um, what can you do to help your brother and sister understand the importance of cleaning, mm-hmm. right? A lot of our kids, they get in trouble because their younger sibling messes up and <laughs> the parent looks to them, right? what happened? Right. What did you do? And it's like, no, my younger sister did it. Why is it that I'm always getting in trouble? Well, let me tell you, you're the responsible <laughs> one, Right. You know, these are things that kids don't really in the homes, they're not allowed to talk about mm-hmm. because parents are not really asking their kids questions a right. lot of times. And it's not the parents' fault. The parent didn't have this when they were growing up either. Right. So we try to insert those questions so that the kid can begin to think about it and process it. Got it. Um, so that's that's where we that's where I come from. So really what you're doing is it's so I can get it right in my own head. You're yes. kind of taking the kids and you're giving them a different worldview in one way, you know, an expanded worldview. But at the same time, you're also giving them the very specific strategic things they need to do on a daily basis within those different worlds to, to get to that broader view. So right. it's like, here's a big picture. Let me, let's talk about how we're going to get there in slow steps and small, tiny little steps that you can do on a daily basis. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. how... I'm really interested in this because, you know, you were a fantastic camp counselor and you're obviously, obviously a fantastic mentor for these young men. What's the difference between being a camp counselor and being a mentor in in your opinion? I would say the difference would be, the difference is the fact that as a camp counselor, I don't have the opportunity to, well, I do have the opportunity. I don't have enough time to build the relationship, Mm -hmm. the one-on-one relationship that is needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, With mentoring, a lot of times we get the kid and we are allowed to build that relationship by either going to McDonald's 
you know, every once in a while we're hanging out at the park, playing basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and then beginning to find out a little bit more about the, the kid and then a little bit more about their background as to how are they growing up? What are their parents like? What's their lifestyle like? And in camp, you don't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you begin to try to teach them or instruct them or educate them, you don't really know where they're coming from. Um, and a lot of times I don't, um, you don't know how to season the information that you're providing them. Got right. It. We all have different seasonings. Some of us, you know, if I yell at you once, you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Some of us, if I yell at you at all, you're going to shut down. Completely. You're not going to understand. Yep. Right. Um, sometimes I have to, you know, take you aside in order for you to actually focus in on what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at camp, you don't, you can do that. You mm-hmm. can try stuff, but you don't know which at, what is actually going to be able to stick with that particular kid. Right. So th- I think that's the difference. Sure. Yeah. The longer term ability to, to learn about how, how long would you have a young man kind of under your mentorship and under your care in your situation now? I would say on average, probably three to six months. Okay. So you are have, you had that opportunity to get past that, the, the introductory stage, the mm-hmm. honeymoon stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you be, you begin to see some of the problems that they have. Um, and then you can kind of get into the deeper part, the transformational stage of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, for me, that's the benefit. Like when you think about camp, you have counselors that are, that are there and they're only there for maybe that summer, right? right? The next summer that the kid yeah. is there, they may not see that camp counselor again. Right. So maybe they were building that relationship, but now they have to start from ground start again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, on this around the campfire about the power of the near peers, you know, these young men and young women, you know, really that are not that far removed from these 9, 10, 11 year olds. I mean, you know, you guys are certainly a lot less removed than than I am at at 45. Um, So I think that they look to the the near peers, the staff members like, okay, I'm going to get it from them. I'm going to get all this great information, but no information. I'm going to get the fun because they're the leaders of this. Um, but you're right. Even though it's an incredibly intense time at camp, whether it's three weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, one week, some camps, a lot of places do it differently. There is a lot of impact from the counselor to the kid. But what you're talking about here and what you're doing now is you're talking about true life impact over the course of a longer, much longer period of time. So, and I've, I, I would love to hear your opinion on this because we've had the boys and men, uh, young men and, and mentors at Camp Aquake over a couple of summers. You know, before camp starts, you guys have come up for, for a couple of days. What's it like for those young men to leave Indianapolis, you know, in the surrounding area and come to camp in the woods? Well, think about it this way. You have a kid that maybe their mom is working all day. Mm-hmm. Maybe she works eight hours, maybe she works 12 hours a day. And so when that kid comes home from school, they have to make sure that their younger sister and or younger brother mm-hmm. are fed. They have to make sure that um, that younger sibling brushes their teeth. And then they have to make sure that that younger sibling is okay and is in bed by the time that that parent gets home. 
So now you have this kid who is kind of acting as though they are the second parent or the third. At, at like 12, 13, 14 years at old. At like 12 or 13 years wow. old, right? Where you should be a kid. So now here we go in the summer for five days, Cole Kelly saying to voice the man, hey, come on down or come on up. <laughs> so we go on up and now you have this kid that's probably a little scared. Think about it. We're city. We're yep. city boys. <laughs> we like the city. We're used to buildings. But now here we are with a bunch of other kids and just woods and fun. All this opportunity for fun. I don't have to worry about my younger brother. I don't have to worry what time my mom's getting home. I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, playing around or hitting a ball or yelling or screaming. I'm not in an apartment complex. I can yell as as loud as I want. And they can just be kids. They're just kids. Mm -hmm. They have that experience of just being a kid. And there was a moment where at camp where we were in the gymnastic building um, and, you know, we, we had a conversation um, about bullying and it was a great conversation. And then we played dodgeball (laughs) and you should have seen the type of energy that was in that room. (laughs) They were screaming, they were yelling, they were sweating. And it was just so much fun. They were laughing. They were aggressive. You know, boys were just being boys. Yeah. And you don't really have that for, what, 11 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. You you don't really have instances where you have to not think about the younger siblings or think about what your mom is doing. And you can just, you know, just be yourself. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm so happy you guys have been able to do that. We'll, we'll keep doing it too. Um, so one thing I, I, I have to bring up, you are getting married this summer. <laughs> Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. I don't know what you had to do to convince this young lady, but you know, we, won't, we won't tell her the real deal. Don't worry. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I said this to you somewhat in jest, but it's truly, I'm being honest about this the world needs more young men like you and more young women that go along with the same kind of mentality that you have. Yeah. So my hope, you know, is that your, your marriage is blessed with, with children. Um, if that's something that you two want, um, what has being a camp counselor, a division head, and now a full-time mentor, what has all that taught you about being a parent? And or how do you think it's affected you and how you will then parent your own family as you go forward? Well, what I've learned is that I don't have all the answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> do I. You never will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won't. I won't ever have all the answers. So I can't understand every situation. I can't understand, you know, everything that the world has to offer. Um, me and my wife, we definitely will have kids. And one of the things that we've talked about is making sure that we get to know our kids. Mm -hmm. So we will definitely ask them questions as to, you know, who they are or who they can be. Um, But really, we just want to talk with our kids. You know, I, I don't think that many parents or my parents especially 
understand the sparing the rod in the Bible verse, mm-hmm. uh, sparing the rod, um, child, yep. spoil the child, spoil the child. Sparing the rod does not mean that, you know, you will discipline or you will punish them. Mm-hmm. It really means giving them um, information, giving them wisdom. I don't want to, I want to talk to my, my child. Um, but when I pass on, I don't want to just only be able to give my children stuff. Right. I want them to have my perspective. I want to be able to pass on my perspective. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I can do that is by talking with them, mm-hmm. by having conversations with them. And so that's one of the things that me and Alexis, my future wife, mm-hmm. will, will want to do. Because we understand what it's like to feel like you can't express yourself to your parents or be able to have a conversation about the tough stuff mm-hmm. with your parents. I don't want my children to go through that. Got it. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to circle back with you in 15, 20 years and see how it's gone. <laughs> and it'll be great too, because the kids will be at camp anyway, so I can get their perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, awesome. Well, Ladarius, so if people wanted to learn more about Boys to Men, the, the group that you've been working with for the last several years, what, what's a great way for them to, to do so? Uh, check out boystomen.org. That's our website. And that has the information for our Instagram page and our Facebook page. So just Boys to Men. So that's B-O-Y-S-2-I-S-M-E-N.org. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely put up a link on the website as well, because it's a great organization. What what you and what Dr. Roscoe started and, and what you and a bunch of other young men have, have continued on is it's really, it's creating ripples in the world. And and that's the kind of positive ripples that, that we all need, um, both at home and in our cities and our states and our countries and, and frankly, our world. We need to keep doing that. So thank you for all you're doing, pal. Thank you. All right, bud. Hey, we'll see you around the campfire again soon, I hope. Yes, sir. Be blessed. Take care. It's so good to be with Ladarius again, even if just for a little while. Watching him work with our campers and then our staff was a pleasure at camp. Observing him introduce camp to the boys to men mentees was truly special. The young men from Indianapolis couldn't get enough of the experience, and we can't wait to have him back. The term mentor is an old one, starting, as far as I know, with the Greek goddess Athena, taking the form of a person named Mentor, uh, who served as an advisor and a sounding board for Odysseus's young son, Telemachus, in the Odyssey. If you really think about your life, I'm sure you'll be able to pick out someone who put in the time to really get to know you and ask some important questions and was willing to listen. A good mentor knows more than you do in certain areas. They're willing to share their knowledge and hold you accountable. They're generous and firm, loving and challenging. It's never too late or too early to seek out a mentor. It doesn't have to be a formal situation like the boys to men. It could be a simple cup of coffee shared over a table every couple months. It could be a couple phone calls with some questions or some email exchanges. Reach out to those people that you respect who know more than you do and ask a question and then another and then another. Remember, the worst question is one that you don't ask. And if you've got some time and the interest, become a mentor. You have a lot to offer. Like parenting, no one is perfect at mentoring. Instead, you simply have to put the other person first, 
ask questions, and share generously. It's amazing how much you get when you spend your time giving. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave us a review on whichever podcast service you're listening to. I also hope you'll share this with a friend. Our campfire circle is big enough for everybody, and we'd be happy to have everybody join. Until we speak again, stay safe, stay patient, and stay hopeful. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.